The Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast. Peace up, Peace A-Town. Down. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, I'm feeling good, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now I'm not. Okay. (laughs) This is the kind of music that makes you feel good on a summer's day. Yeah. All right. It's hot out. It's beautiful out right now, and it's wedding season, as you mentioned to me before. It is. It is wedding season. This kind of music flows into that celebration. Yes. Got a problem, though, before we begin. Phil is missing. Yeah? He was supposed to join us today. And I haven't heard from him all day. He's saying he's, he's in some trouble. He might be in trouble, and we might be the only people that can figure out where he is. Okay. But, I mean, is it cool if we record this episode real quick, and then then, then we'll take care of it after? Go to that thing. I'm sure we're yeah, going to do yeah. the episode. Have you figured it out yet, folks? <laughs> we're missing one from our wolf pack. That's right. Scott, it's the Hangover Trilogy. The Hangover Trilogy. And that's right. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> it's really, it started off as mildly amusing to me, but now I'll, 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 you're, you're it's, just, it's dwindling. You're just yes. becoming a handful in the okay. way, in the way a Galifianakis <laughs> might be, in the way that kind of a character becomes a handful after a while. Yes. My bearded chum. I've been compared to Galifianakis before. So. I wouldn't make that comparison. I'm taller. That's for sure. I'm not that fat, man. Ladies and gentlemen, the Hangover trilogy is what we're bringing you. And like we said before, we're thinking it's wedding season, okay? Um, It's a big year for Bradley Cooper. But one of the better connections, I think, is that we've actually just passed the 10-year anniversary for the release of the first Hangover film in 2009, June of 2009. Wow. So, you know, we just passed that, and so it might be appropriate for that reason. Yeah. All right? Take a re-look, re-analysis. And it's tricky to analyze comedy. You know, people have different, you know, points of view with respect to what's funny, what isn't funny. Yeah. The, the topic is still like your normal fall down, raunchy comedy. But I feel like the movies are the uh, Todd. Well, we'll get into Todd Phillips. But yeah. I think the movies themselves are a little more like films than they are like your typical sketchy. Yeah. That, that, shot better. Their their quality is, is better. I think it also plays on the fact that it was meant for adults as opposed to kids. Right. So right. with kids movies, there's a tendency for them to be a little looser. To, to make the gag go on a little too long. For right. adults, I think somebody like Todd Phillips has a tendency to rein in some of those eccentricities, and you get a tighter, better film. Right. All right, so, as always, our robot pal, Trilogy Bot. Now, he, he I, I was promised he's going to be sober. Is yeah, that... he's sober after the entire debacle with RoboCop last week. Because, I mean, any ro- you, you know, after that, we all sat around, and I had to read off that piece of paper, and... You cried. Yeah. You he know, he cried in many ways. He his drinking has affected me. So all of us really. All right. The Hangover is a gang's all here trilogy. A bunch of assholes like you guys fucking around for three movies. Oh, and your mom say hi. Well, he's gone from being drunken to now back to his old offensive putrid self. Yeah. So, well. Welcome it's a back. slight improvement, I guess. Welcome back, asshole. Um, but he's right. This is obviously a Gangs All Here trilogy. For sure. Okay. 
It really is about a gang that calls themselves what, Scott? The Wolf Pack. The Wolf Pack. That's a gang name. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, despite the fact that one director helmed all three of these projects, it really embodies the idea of gangs all here, their adventures, and the audience following their continuing adventures. In, in a lot of ways, I, th- I think this the, this trilogy is very similar to the Oceans trilogy, which we covered yeah. a, a while ago. Um, but same director, same cast every time. Vegas sort of upping the ante every time. Agreed. Um, Vegas landmarks. Yeah. So I, it, it's kind of interesting watching it because I was like, I wonder if they took some mm. inspiration and tried to make like a dirty version of it's interesting, an Oceans movie. Because I was thinking about it from a visual perspective, how similar it was. Another trilogy, visual Vegas right. trilogy. But I hadn't really thought of just the way the trilogies are oriented. And they're kind of oriented in the same way, too. Right. And then they go. They become starts to become like self-referential. But to what I'm saying is, yeah, and, true. But yeah. they also remember they go global in the second one in both of these. Right. And then kind of bring it back in the right. third one, which is, yep. you know, a pattern we see so often. For sure. And, yeah. and especially in these two films, both gangs all here and instead of pacino in the third movie we got john goodman in the third movie so but you're right in that they're upping the ante so to speak (laughs) big character actor one after another so all right good stuff we're rolling right along luck is our lady tonight scott yes have we heard from phil yet uh not that i see that's that's fine okay now it is time for you to do your glorious plots Yes. And sometimes referred to as Scott's plot. Well, some people say that. I mean, it's sure. an easy way to describe what this part of the show. Well, my name is Scott and I'm doing plots, you know. It's convenient that those words rhyme, I suppose. Yeah. And that's all we Actually, really... Actually, come to think of it. My name is Scott and I do the plots. It's Scott's plots. Scott's plots. My name is Scott and I'm doing the plots. It's Scott's plots. Here's Scott's plots. Oh God! Can't believe what I just heard. You're right. I'll do another take. No, no, <laughs> no. That was great. Uh, yeah. So basically, what I do is I try to give you a real bare bones, kind of stripped down version of the plot. I'm not going to mention character names. There might be uh, things missing from the description, but this is just to give you the gist of what happens throughout the movies, in case. You've never seen it, or if you have, and you just don't feel like rewatching them, we got you covered. Uh, we'll start it off with, of course, The Hangover. 2009. A group of guys head to Las Vegas for a bachelor party. Before going out for the night, the groom, his teacher friend, his dentist friend, and his strange brother-in-law meet on the roof of their hotel for celebratory shots. Do you think of a dentist as a doctor? It's a running gag through these films. I mean, I never. I feel like I've referred to a dentist like, oh, thank you, doctor. Like, you know. You respect them in the same way? I don't go, thank you, dentist. Like. They don't have their own name. But they have a doctorate. I think they're playing off the idea. DDS. In the the same way that Seinfeld plays off the idea that a podiatrist isn't a real doctor, that a dentist isn't quite got the same Well, it's not a medical doctor. Yeah. You know. I suppose so, but it's more grueling, I've heard. Perhaps. You got to work in people's mouths. Hey. That blows. (laughs) (laughs) the next morning they wake to find the groom is missing the hotel room is trashed and they have no memory of the night before they find a tiger and a baby in their room the groom's mattress impaled on a statue outside the hotel and a stolen cop car waiting for them at valet instead of their car do we ever find out why there are roosters in the room 
why there were no, birds. No, I think that's the only real like non sequitur thing in the whole first movie. It's okay. just, just like a chicken randomly in the room. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Actually, if you look at the photos closely, there's like a chicken in the background or it's him grabbing a chicken at some point. Like Maybe the chicken is part of the tiger's meal. You feed the, the tiger one of his chickens. Maybe. Maybe Mike Tyson also had chickens. It wouldn't surprise me. He had pigeons. Yeah. He was p- famous for his pigeons. Well, not- He loved his pigeons. <laughs> not famous for his pigeons. He had pigeons. <laughs> famous for other things. <laughs> <laughs> pigeons first you wouldn't, boxing say, you wouldn't say mike tyson oh that pigeon oh, the pigeon guy the, the pigeon enthusiast <laughs> no and the face tattoo and he bit someone's Why is that ear the off second thing yeah <laughs> okay might have been a boxer using clues they found in their pockets they start to piece the night back together and end up at a hospital where the teacher was admitted the night before and the doctor tells them their blood work shows they were drugged they also find out that the dentist married a prostitute and that the baby is hers. <laughs> a lot of man ass in that doctor scene. Yeah. This There's a guy, lot of male nudity throughout the entire nudity. trilogy. Let there be no one that can say that only women get the nudity stick in this yeah. stick fight. <laughs> That's, I don't know. Uh, still- there is stick fighting. There is stick fighting. I'm still thinking of Shaft, maybe. Yeah. Shaft. They return the baby and are immediately arrested for stealing a cop car. After making a deal with the cops and being released, they get back their original car, only to find a naked Chinese man in the trunk who attacks them and flees. More nudity. Yes, always. He's, like, constantly naked throughout all these movies. And I guess he's gay, too. I don't know. He's just, like, a party boy. Hey. You know? He's a party monster. Party monster. (laughs) Are you are you referencing that Macaulay Culkin movie? I am. Why yeah. would you? I don't know. I've never seen it. For good reason. <laughs> the strange brother-in-law then admits to drugging them after buying the wrong drugs from a shady drug dealer. Doesn't that always kind of happen? Yeah. I just deal. Any- what do you need? Everything? I've yeah. got it all here. Whoops. In the car outside the 7-Eleven, what do you need? Later, after returning the tiger to a famous boxer... They are attacked by the Chinese man and his crew, who tells them he was at the casino with them the night before, and someone took his winnings. He also tells them he has the groom and will kill him if they don't return his money. This poor guy, this groom, who doesn't even get to be in a big chunk of these films. Yeah. The abuse that he takes. And by the second, in the second film, there, there's, no, there's no stakes with him. It's not even about getting him back. No. It's a whole different dynamic, so. Right. But you feel bad for him. You're like, this guy... Is in this major motion picture, right? Kind of, yeah. He's, he's what like it's about, the side guy. And you know what? We'll talk more about him, but it's not like this exploded his career in any way. No, you trust me. You haven't seen him in anything else. I think I've seen him in one other thing. I know you have. We're the experts. I'm talking about the audience. <laughs> Unable to find the money, the strange brother-in-law uses his knowledge of card counting to win the money in blackjack. When they return the money, <laughs> at no other point is he ever that intelligent in any of the other movies. No. He's never a savant at any other point. No. It's a great part of this film, but... No, it's a it's a convenient plot device in the movie. <laughs> yeah. When they return the money to the Chinese man in exchange for the groom, it is revealed that it is not the groom, but the drug dealer who sold the brother-in-law the bad drugs. Luckily, the drug dealer says something that helps the dentist figure out where the groom is. Very convenient. Yes. They rush back to the hotel to find their friend on the roof. They get in the car and are able to make it to the wedding just in time. Why was he so fucked up and couldn't get down from the roof? He's throwing his mattress. Well, because I think the door locked behind him. 
Oh, he, oh, the idea was he, he got couldn't trapped. get. He was trapped on the roof. Yeah, I think so. I feel like the people of Vegas would, the people at Caesars would know what's going on. They'd check the roof if yeah. a bed went flying down. On. Right. The access that these characters seem to have to Caesars Palace is unprecedented. Yeah, they're just going wherever they want. If there was no roof play, what would we have? Right. Roof play. That's my new kink. All right. Uh, yeah, moving on to Hangover Part 2. 2011. This time, the dentist is getting married in Thailand and is determined to not have a bachelor party after the events of the first one, especially after being guilted into inviting the strange stepbrother. Boy, I really hated Destination Wedding, you know? Yes. I'm just saying. Thailand of all places. Well, no, that's scary stuff. Yeah, because bathroom issues in Thailand. Yeah. I'm just Not saying. a lot of privacy. Privacy. You I'm, know what I mean? You know, there's always some perverse. I don't know what I'm talking about. Perspective from you. I'm talking about the hole in the ground. Oh, oh, I see. I'm sorry I said anything. Is that real? Go I'm ahead. sorry I even mentioned the bathrooms in Thailand. Right. Go, go on. It was, okay. That's my fault. But the teacher, the groom from the first one, his strange brother-in-law, and the dentist's teenage brother-in-law convince the dentist to have one drink the night before the wedding. I think we know what's going to happen here. Well, yeah. I, I would think so. Yep. We're experts at this point. <laughs> at this point, we're experts. We've seen one hangover, you gotta expect. You've seen one hangover, Scott. You've basically seen them all. You know. The next morning, the dentist, the teacher, and the strange brother-in-law wake up in Bangkok with no memory of the night before. They find a chain-smoking monkey, the dentist with the face tattoo, and the Chinese man from the first one, who apparently kept in touch with the strange brother-in-law who invited <laughs> the Chinese man to the wedding. <laughs> I think it's a great revelatory scene when they wake up again and it dawns on them that it's occurring once again. <laughs> yeah. It's different. In the first film, we have the originality of what the movie's about. Yeah. But this time, it's a different angle, and we get the joy of seeing them discover that, holy shit, this exact same yeah. thing has happened again. And it's like, now what's happened to me? It's like your favorite Die Hard. What do you mean? Die Hard 2, the whole movie is like, how can the same thing happen to the same guy? And he constantly talks about how it's it's totally improbable that the situation would happen to the same person and the second time. Yes, that's exactly right. And it's very winning as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's a different... Listen, I get what you mean. I get Winning. It's a different perspective. Um, all right, go on. I, just, <laughs> it is my favorite diehard. I'm still proud to say it. The dentist's teenage brother-in-law is missing. And before the Chinese man can tell them what happened, he does a bump of coke, his heart stops, and he dies. The guys ditch the Chinese man's body in an ice machine and set off to find the teenage brother-in-law. The groom from the first one, who did not join the guys in Bangkok, calls and tells them the teenage brother-in-law was arrested. When they arrive to pick him up, they find an old monk in a wheelchair wearing the teenage brother-in-law's sweatshirt, who has taken a vow of silence. And that's a pretty slick turnaround that in the first film, they're saddled with a baby, and this time... They're settled with an old man. Yeah. That's kind of slick. I like yeah. it. I like they, it. They do a lot of like, oh, last time this, this time this. Yeah. Like, I mean, I respect that. Yeah. If you're going to do a sequel that you didn't necessarily plan on doing, fucking go for it. Yeah. You know? They head to a bar that they were at the night before to find it was burnt to the ground. When they walk into a nearby tattoo parlor where the dentist got his tattoo, they learn that they started the riot that caused the bar to be burnt down. They then return the monk to his temple, where another monk suggests they meditate to find more clues. Whenever any of them are taking a beating, though, it's funny to me in these films. Whether yeah. it be a crowbar or whether it be in this scene where the monk just keeps smashing them because they keep talking <laughs> yeah. with the staff. Yeah. 
I just, I just like that kind of, yeah. and I'm not a sucker for slapsticky kind of comedy, but for whatever yeah. reason, with these characters that we get to know so well, it's funny to see them get, get their asses kicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they have to go through so much for, right. you know, for it to usually not matter. <laughs> for I mean, them listen, to get to the end and go, oh wait, I just remembered where he is. And it's funny you you said Die Hard before as a means by which to mock me, but. <laughs> But it's it's similar to Die Hard in that these guys keep taking a beating, and but because of necessity, they must keep moving forward. Yeah. No matter what's happening, they have to recklessly right. kind of jump into danger. It will tick and clock. Right. They and don't have is, time. And this is a comedy, for God's sake. So, yeah. yeah. The strange brother-in-law is able to remember a strip club they went to, where the dentist got sodomized. Hmm. Outside the club, they are attacked by Russian monsters who steal monsters. That's supposed to say mobsters, folks. <laughs> I was going to stop you. Hold on a minute. I was like, wait, 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 what? Sorry. Let me take that again. It's fine. Outside the club, they are attacked by Russian mobsters who steal the monkey and shoot the teacher. The strange brother-in-law reveals that in an attempt to drug the teenage brother-in-law so they could hang out without him, the strange brother-in-law accidentally drugged all of them. They notice an address and meeting time written on the strange brother-in-law's stomach. And when they arrive for the meeting, they meet a gangster who's actually waiting for the Chinese man to wire money to his bank account. The gangster tells them to get the account number or he'll kill the teenage brother-in-law. They go back to the hotel to search the Chinese man's body, but find he's still alive and that he hid the codes in the monkey's vest. I don't know that that was really the smartest place to put the codes. No. Yet another episode with this monkey that really turns me off. Hate monkeys. You don't, you don't like the monkey? I don't like this monkey. I don't like monkeys. Really? I don't like them. Oh, boy. A chimpanzee will rip your face apart. Oh. You think this monkey is a good monkey? Well, I, I don't know. He seemed all right. The Indiana Jones monkey was working with the Nazis. He seemed like a trained monkey. Like, you know, he seemed nice enough. This is actually a trilogy superstar monkey, as really? he was the same monkey from Night at the Museum. Ah. So do you, you're not going to look forward to doing uh, that Planet of the Apes? No, I'm not. But they're human like these apes, right? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, they're played by humans with uh, yeah. motion capture and stuff. So, But I'll have a lot more to say about monkeys when we get there, my friend. Let me tell you. Boy, oh boy. Let's just stop talking about monkeys there. I'm getting heated up. <laughs> they then steal back the monkey while being chased by Russian mobsters. The guys and the Chinese man meet with the gangster and give him the codes. But it is revealed that it's a bust, and they arrest the Chinese man and admit they don't have the teenage brother-in-law. Come on. After all that. Yeah, seriously. Just dicking around with them. Come on. And you think we've got another crime Come on, Lord. Giamatti. Yeah, Giamatti, you, you noodle-eating bastard. <laughs> see him gobbling down those noodles. You see him gobbling the ghoul. Ready to give up, the dentist suddenly remembers that the elevator was out during one of many power outages in Bangkok. They rush to the elevator to find the teenage brother-in-law. They all hop in a boat, and they make it to the wedding just in time. The same exact thing happens in that if... If they had just kind of stopped for a second and thought about where the missing person was, they wouldn't have to go through all that trouble. Right. It's location-based, sort yeah. of, that Bangkok really does have these power outages that happen a lot. Like, but it's just, you know, it's really deus ex machina that in two movies in a row, suddenly, to solve all problems, Helms gets a flash, and they go to exactly where the right. missing person is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so moving right along to the final movie, Hangover. Part three. And that is 2013. After killing a giraffe and losing his father, the strange brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that giraffe killing, though. 
it's just so I think they might have they might have given it away in the trailer or I feel like when I initially saw it it wasn't a surprise yeah but uh it's great yeah and you see it coming uh, yeah you see it coming a mile away I know but I'm watching I'm like so he's gonna hit and he goes under one of them you're like oh okay exactly it's almost like oh, nah, yeah. Todd Phillips is daring you to like like I'm like, gonna show is, this guy is he really gonna do that yeah like, it's like seriously it's coming right up I'm really gonna <laughs> do this all right, here we go. <laughs> I warned you. After killing a giraffe and losing his father, the strange brother-in-law is off his meds and needs an intervention. The dentist, the groom from the first one, and the teacher agree to drive him to a rehab facility. But on the way, they are driven off the road by a Vegas gangster who tells them the Chinese man stole half of his gold from him. Goodman in his last fat role, I believe. Because the strange brother-in-law has been in contact with the Chinese man, who has just escaped from prison, the Vegas gangster kidnaps the groom from the first one and says he'll kill him if they don't bring the Chinese man to him. They set up a meeting with the Chinese man in Tijuana, where they hope to drug him, but when the plan is discovered, they decide to work with the Chinese man to steal the gold from his old house. After successfully retrieving the gold, the Chinese man double-crosses them and locks them in the basement of the house. They then find out that the house was actually the Vegas gangster's house, and they just helped the Chinese man steal more gold from him. That's a pretty slick little twist. Yeah. I mean, I like it, and in a well, way, it plays I, with the, the the idea of you trust you trust trusting not, you know? Chad. But I mean, I like it, and in a way, I don't like it. I feel like it's a bit manipulative at the same yeah. time in the story. So. I had kind of mixed feelings. And also Black Doug is killed in that scene sort of needlessly. Yeah. And it shows how these movies have gotten darker and darker all of a they sudden. And you're like, huh. Yeah. Okay. It's like, hey, let's take the, the bright lights of Vegas and go to Bangkok. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. All right. And just when one of the main characters is raped, we're going to take you back to Vegas for the third film where murders are happening all around. Right. So <laughs> yeah. many people are dying now. Is, is this a comedy we're watching yeah, now? What happened? They track down the Chinese man in Vegas, and the teacher and the strange brother-in-law sneak into his penthouse, but the Chinese man escapes in a parachute. Ridiculous scene. Yes. Also, much like uh, the third Oceans movie. I believe it's they. that's when they bring back the night thief or whatever. Or that's right. Night thief. And he does. He jumps off. That's the night wolf or whatever. The night hawk. The night. It's something like that. Night I Fox? I feel like when we did the podcast, we couldn't remember his name either. <laughs> no, it's okay. He does. He, does he, he jumps off the roof idiotically, and we're like, why is this guy come yeah. back, and what is he doing? Yeah. That's right. The dentist then chases him down and is able to subdue him and put him in the trunk. They deliver the Chinese man to the Vegas gangster who tries to kill the Chinese man by shooting the trunk. But unbeknownst to him, the strange brother-in-law let him out of the trunk into the back seat. Chinese man kills the Vegas gangster. One of these classic face-offs once again involving a car right. and a drop-off and, your and your, a money exchange. Yeah. So. Flash your lights. We're returning yeah. to what we knew. In the end, the strange brother-in-law marries a girl he met along the journey. So, Scott, it goes without saying that the first Hangover film was enormously successful. There had to be a reason to make two and three. Right. It was crazily successful, actually. Yeah. If you look at the numbers, it is basically the seventh biggest R-rated film of all time. Uh. It is the biggest R-rated pure comedy of all time, besting um, Beverly Hills Cop, another trilogy. Get the fuck out of here. No, no, I cannot. It's serious. It got great reviews. It got Golden Globe nominations. Yeah. This was almost like the return of the R-rated comedy. We hadn't seen this in a while. 
Yeah. Most of the comedy films since 2000 had been more family oriented, a little lighter. Yeah. You know, this is a dark film in a lot of ways. Well, and, and that's why, I mean, I kind of blame this film and it's not really its fault, but I blame this film for, uh, after this, every comedy always had the crazy party scene where it was like they went yeah. out to a bar and got really drunk and it had nothing to do with the plot. Yeah. And th the difference is this movie doesn't show you that. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the whole conceit of the movie is you never see the party. That's the swerve. Right. And we, you know, we you probably, get, you get pieces of it as you go back, I but probably should have mentioned this when you were saying the plots, but for the, that's the whole idea that in the first film, you're expecting to see this crazy night of debauchery and we don't see it. We see. Just, yeah. So this was a monster film. Okay. Yeah. Um, it actually impacted tourism in Vegas. Caesars got very oh, popular. Sure. People are going to Caesars just for this. They got a ton of the their slot machines now. They yeah. hang over slot machines. Yep. Yeah. Well, a lot of it was actually filmed in Caesars. The interior of that um, suite was a soundstage, but yeah, the lobby and all this shit outside. Right. That's that's Caesars Palace. Yeah. Um, in both of the in the third one too, right? Yeah. 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 So. That's the first one. And the second one came along and it was a pretty big hit too. It usually falls right behind the first hangover with respect to money and gross and all this. Yeah. But it was also fraught, Scott, fraught with controversy. I thought you were going to say with peril. Peril from controversy. Uh -huh. <laughs> don't be, don't <laughs> oh, be scared. Oh, no. There was a tattoo on Ed Helms' face, that yeah. Mike Tyson pattern. Right. Well, the designer of the tattoo sued the film company because really? of, you know, trademark infringement, this and that and won. he was going to win. Oh, wow. And they wound up having to settle. So he was, right. he wanted an injunction for the movie to not even come out. And the judge was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. But they well, want to, they'll settle. give you money. Right. Yeah. You also had some controversy with the, uh, the animal folks because of the smoking monkey. Yes. Monkey. Which is pretty clearly CGI. Right. Well, I believe Todd Phillips said that it was never really smoking. It was, Right. I see the viral video. It's based the, on a real thing. Yeah. Right. That's, you know, the, the monkeys have smoked. Yeah. Um, but this this movie achieved very bad reviews. People had huge expectations after the first film. and It just didn't live up to them in people's minds. Yeah. All right. And, you know, by the time the third movie came around, we're looking at a big time money fall off. I don't think people cared anymore. No, it still made money, but it wasn't anything like the first two. And it got even worse reviews. Screenwriters, John Lucas, Scott Moore, they are famous for this and the Bad Moms series. Oh. They did the uh, Bad Moms and then Bad Christmas Mom or some shit. I don't, I, I didn't don't see know. those. There's so many bad things out there. Bad teacher, bad mom, bad. Yeah, bad Santa. Bad Santa, I think, invented the idea. Yeah. God damn it. Are you fucking with me? They got the inspiration. Bad news bears. That's just the use of the word bad. I don't think it's the same. Bad company. <laughs> bad, bad Leroy Stop Brown. It. Seriously. Stop it. <laughs> now you're just abusing the word bad. Seriously. Bad to the bone. Michael Jackson's bad. Now no, I'm doing it. <laughs> I can't. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Director of photography is a guy named Lawrence Schur. Schur. I mention him only because Travis, my brother, who was with us for the Star Wars podcast, yes. he's a driver for the Teamsters, and he actually drove this guy around. Right. And he mentioned that we have the trilogy podcast. And immediately the guy's like, oh, have you, you know, have you done the hangover yet? So if you're listening, Larry Sure, this is for you. Be sure to listen 
See, now you're insulting the man. I wasn't I, an insult. You think people don't mess with his name all the time? Oh, people mess with that? my name all the time. I just figure, you know. Your last name is Cagney. It's a glorious star of film and screen. I, you, not That's everybody. Not everybody knows him. People at Panera can never say my name correctly. What, what They do you called mean? me Cageney. Who the fuck called you Cageney? Cageney. That, that's the most ridiculous thing I've I'm ever like, heard. It couldn't be simpler, you know? Cageney? Yeah. That's like Les Nessman on WKRP in Cincinnati calling Chichi Rodriguez Chai Chai Rodriguez. <laughs> chai Chai Rodriguez. Okay. Um, and then we come down to the, uh, the director of all three of these films, Todd Phillips. He's got quite a, a resume. Immediately, you have to say old school. Yeah. A lot of people would consider it one of the better comedies of the last 20 years. And it's in so many ways matches this trilogy. But he's old school. He's road trip. He's Borat. He wrote Borat. Oh, wow. He's Starsky and Hutch. Um, we always see him in these cameos where he plays a pervert. Or like a dirty sex pervert in all these films. Oh, yeah. You know, I figured with, that was him. With the jerry curl yep. hair yeah. and he's got the dirty mustache. Hello. Yeah. I'm here for the gangbang. And, you know, he also was a producer for Star is Born, so he's working with uh, Bradley Cooper. And is the upcoming Joker director. Yes. And I feel like you have to appreciate his taste to appreciate his films. You know, like I said, very bare-assed, very... A lot of dong. A lot of dong being hung. In a literal way, but also in a a philosophical sense. (laughs) A philosophical penis. Yeah. Is there any better penis? Is that Sartre said that? Sartre or Voltaire. I get them confused when it comes to Dick. Yeah. And um, we got a lot of actors that are in all of these films. Yeah. We started off with Bradley Cooper. Now, we've talked about him before, Scott. I think when we did Avengers, we talked about him because he plays that raccoon guy. Yes, I think so. What's his name? Rocket. Right. So we, I think we've mentioned him in the past here, but this guy has exploded as an actor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, since this film, he's one of the only actors that was nominated for an Academy Award Three years in a row with Silver Linings, Playbook, American Hustle, and Sniper. And then uh, just this year, A Star is Born, where, where he also, what, directed it, right, I Scott? think he directed that movie. Yeah. So I think he broke into the business with Wedding Crashers, though. That's where you first see him. He plays the antagonist in Wedding Crashers. boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. We finally, we kind of, we meet him for the first time for real in that. Yeah. But this is what breaks him wide open. And then we're on to do, you know, great movies like Limitless. And, and the A-Team. And, uh... Midnight Meat Train. You can't be perfect, Scott. Okay. I actually like Midnight Meat Train. I like I listen, I like I like Bradley Cooper. I do too. Something I about me him. makes me not want to like him because I don't like Lady Gaga and I didn't like their Academy Awards song and I was just like kind of skeeved by it. Yeah. But I like him. He's he's a pretty boy. I feel like right away you're yeah. kinda like, eh, and then he he grows on you. He does. You don't know anything about me, loser. The other members of the Wolf Pack, you got Ed Helms. Yes. Now he's a favorite of ours. If you listen to this podcast, you know we both really enjoy The Office and we know it well. Right. And so Ed Helms, in our, in my mind, is is a, is a huge character, a huge part of The Office legacy. Andy Bernard. Andy Bernard. But he got to start as a Daily Show correspondent for many years. Right. Yeah. Um, I didn't really watch The Daily Show, but so many of these actors blew up off of that show, I tell you. Yeah. And they all kind of start out playing like, uh, they play like news anchors and yeah. things. He was also, he's a trilogy superstar. Ed Helms. He's also in the uh, Harold and Kumar, the third Harold and Kumar ah. movie. And he's in Night in the Museum as well. Oh. So some minor roles. We might also know him from the uh, the Vacation reboot. Right. Wasn't so good. 
I didn't see it. It's not funny. In fact, it's pretty freaking unfunny. The third member of the wolf pack, Zach Galifianakis. Yes. Okay, playing the Alan character. He, in a lot of ways, stole the film. Um, I, he's the best part of the yeah. first one. He hasn't done that much in the movie world. He got yeah. to start doing a lot of um, uh, MTV and Comedy Central, these weird shows where he's being weird. Do you know anything about his TV shit? He got like a, I know he had a Netflix special that was pretty big because at the time Netflix didn't do that many okay. produced comedy specials. It was sort of the beginning. So he had like a big special that went over. He also hosts that uh, web series on Funny or Die that... Um, between two ferns. Between two ferns. Obama went on it when right. he was president to pitch Obamacare because it gets that much, you know, viewership online. Yeah. And it's pretty funny. He's really playing the same character as Alan, honestly. Yeah. A weird standoffish. I think he only really has the one character, essentially. Like, it's kind of him, huh? That's kind of him. I yeah. Think. yeah. I get the same impression. A little more insecure than I think he actually is. Exactly. But yeah. But he's been in some other movies. He was in that one with Will Ferrell. Well, um, he was in Dinner with Schmucks, which, which was terrible. Terrible. Oh, um, he was also in Due Date, Galifianakis. Right, with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Birdman, had a smaller role in Birdman. Yeah, he was good in Birdman. Yeah, he was. He was a retard. And then the last member of the, well, quasi-member of the Wolf Pack, the guy that gets in all the trouble, we mentioned before, his name is Justin Bartha. Most of his credits are not even Broadway credits, they're regional theater credits. Wasn't he in... He was in National Treasure. Treasure. I mean, he works. I guess that's nice. Yeah, exactly. I'd you like know? to have his career. What am I yeah. fucking saying? Why am I poor guy him? Maybe he doesn't have that much talent. I'd he love to be, be in, a, in a famous trilogy and then a couple of other major motion pictures. I seem to remember him being funnier in National Treasure, though. He oh? was sort of he's sort of like a sidekick to Nick Cage. I haven't seen National Treasure. Have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and being tell you pissed blood? <laughs> I think rounding it up in terms of main characters, you've got Ken Jong. Is it pronounced yes, Jong? I think it's Jong. Jong. Um, you know, Ken Jong's been in a lot of big films over the last ten years. Let's say uh, he's a trilogy superstar. He's uh, in Despicable Me. Oh, does a voice there? Nice. Uh, recently, it was in the Crazy Rich Asians film, which is right. You know, but he's been. You know, he was in Knocked Up, which kind of blew him up. Yeah, he played of, a doctor because he's an actual doctor. And he did a brief, he had a sitcom called Dr. Ken that didn't go anywhere where he's playing off that I remember idea. that now, yeah. I think people also know him from the uh, series Community. Yes. If you're a fan of Community, isn't he a main character, I think Scott? his name is like Chang in that or something like that. So, too, yeah. Those are your main characters. Then you have a couple of little minor characters that are in all three, Scott. I'm just going to mention them quick. Here at the Trilogy Podcast, I believe we've talked about it before, we love Jeffrey Tambor. Yes. All right. He's been everywhere in his career, um, but three shows define him pretty much, and that's um, the Larry Sanders show, that's Arrested Development, and that's recently Transparent. Hey, now. You also got the lady that plays uh, his wife, that plays the wife of Jeffrey Tambor. Her name is Sandra Curry. Uh. A lot of TV in the 70s and 80s, including the RoboCop series. What? What? So that's everybody, Scott. That's yeah. Those are the gangs all here. The gang is all here, and we're happy to see them. So that's what we got going. Is there any other tech stuff you wanted to talk about? It seems like as the soundtracks go along, they get older. You know what I mean? Well, we learn a lot that of more old classic rock songs. Well, we and learn things that like Alan's that. favorite, you know, musician is Billy Joel. Billy Joel so they yeah. kind of beat that joke to death a little bit. But, they uh, do, and I'll be pointing out every time they do. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, I wrote them down too. Yeah, but is that all? Do you have anything else? No, I'm All ready right, to so jump you know, in. Let's fucking do these, man. I'm ready. All right. Uh, the Hangover. La, la, yeah. la, la, wait till I give my money right. Oh. 
I feel the pressure under more scrutiny. And what I do, act more stupidly. When they're uh when they're on their way to Vegas and he's just screaming out the window, Vegas, but he's screaming it at a child. I love it. they do another moment like that in the third one where he like talks to a kid from yep. the car. Like obviously he 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 relates to he children. relates to children a well, lot more. Well, he's got that moment in the police station where the kid tries to take a, a picture of him and, and he, he kicks, kicks the, the phone. phone. I was fucking because that's what I a, love a kid that. would do to another kid, right? And that's a perfect segue into the idea that he is playing a character that we've seen many times in film, and that's right. the man boy character, right? And it's a successful character. the uh, The characters that pop into my mind that are like Alan are um, Pee Wee Herman, sure, Adam Sandler, and both characters in Step Brothers. In illustrating a bit of the comparisons to old school, you're looking at Will Farrell, Frank the Tank, and Bradley Cooper kind of plays the Vince Vaughn character that we saw in old school. Right. Okay. And that Ed Helms plays either of the Wilsons. Pick your well, Wilson. It's kind of, you know, you have your confident guy, you have the henpecked guy, and then you have the. Well, Right. Lunatic. It's, it's a coming of age tale that Todd Phillips needs to tell. And he's telling it with two different sets of actors in two different places. Right. So you've got one that's coming of age, but in this sort of college milieu. And then this other one, it's the wedding world transitioning into being a married person. Right. But it's the same characters and it's the same type of theme, really. Yeah. All we are is dust in the Funniest, uh, I think the funniest exchange with Zach Galifianakis is like right at the beginning. It's what I always think of from this movie is it's illegal. He's like, no, it's not illegal. It's frowned upon like masturbating in an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that's illegal too. Yeah, maybe after 9-11 where everybody gets so sensitive. Thanks a lot, Bin Laden. I like how Alan refers to the characters in Three Men and a Baby as... Ted Danson, Magnum P.I., and I that know, Jewish actor. That almost went, I was like, what did he just say? And I had to stop. I was like, Ted Danson. Oh, he's talking about three men and a baby, but they don't ever say three men and a baby, <laughs> which I think is actually kind of clever. Because I feel like that Zach Galifianakis just made that up as they're walking into the scene. Who would think of Steve Gutenberg though, as that, that Jewish, Jewish actor? Because <laughs> it seems like he doesn't know who he is. He just knows his name is Gutenberg. And how do we keep our balance? Hi, I'm Steve Gutenberg. But again, all the setups are funny. All the stuff going on at home leading out to their adventures to me is funny in all three films. And uh, Jeffrey Tambor, doesn't he remind you of Phil a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Who did you think, who did you say before? John Lovitz. You think Phil's more like John Lovitz? Yeah, I've always thought he was a little Lovitz-esque. Yeah, it could go either way. Yeah. I see what you're saying, though. I see what you're saying as well. Thank you. You're welcome. Another moment of them being like, yo, Ed Helms, you were the craziest one. They go back to the um, the chapel. Like he comes, he's like, oh, this guy, he was crazy. I thought he was going to eat my dick. And that actor is in both the first and the second yeah. film. In the second film, he plays a strip club owner. Honestly, I didn't Not look, in the third one. Right? He's not in the third one. I didn't look up his name. Look, there's only so much I can do here. There's a lot of characters. But he's obviously a Phillips, you know. Friend. Friend. I, I love Rob Riggle. He's just great. Anytime he's in a movie, I think he's like the funniest scene in the oh, movie. We've talked about him before because he's one of our favorite parts of the Hotel Transylvania trilogy. Yes. Remember, he's got the funny stuff with the wife who's a skeleton. He's in uh, Step Brothers as well. Yeah. 
It's the Catalina wine mixer. It's the big leagues. No, I get it. Don't baby. let me catch you slacking. If I catch you slacking, all right, this is Brendan. Yeah. This is Brendan, this is me. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, you got the uh, papers? I don't know what you're talking about. You shut your fucking mouth! That cop scene is funny to me. I'm a sucker for all the body gags and all the physical yeah. gags that Galifianakis does because he's such a load. When he goes down, he just goes down like such a yep. fucking ton of bricks. Yeah. But he calls him Fat Jesus. That was funny. That's pretty good. Um, and then that kid who gets the phone kicked out of his hand has his revenge. And that, that kid, that, that icy stare that that kid has is fucking incredible. Let me say this. Mike Tyson really is terrible in these films. He's every, awful. Every single line he says is wrong. Doesn't know how and to And he seems like he's furious. Yeah. Timing is incorrect. It's cut in such a way that it doesn't feel natural. Well, that's why this first one, they had to have that other guy with him. To basically deliver all the fucking lines of what was happening. Yeah. And they'd give him like one line to say. This was, though, the first film where we saw, and this began the trend of now Tyson being on his meds, I think, being a little more reflective and being calmer over the last, yeah. I don't know, 10 years, maybe. Trying to get some work. I think even yeah. he says that this is what turned him around. Yeah. And look, he was hyped in a huge way in the promotional materials for these films until they didn't really need him anymore. Yeah. The movies outclassed him. Yeah, there's no reason for him to have come back, too. He sings so bad, I can't even, especially in the second one, he's so massacring One Night in Bangkok, a great song. You're Ugh. like, what the fuck is this? It's enough already. Just terrible. If he's going to come on for a singing cameo at the end, do better. You can't touch me, you're not man enough. Do yeah. better. I eat your asshole alive, you bitch. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, go on, Scott. Uh, there is the, uh, Ed Helms does like a song every movie. The Doug song. Does the Doug song. Yeah, it's cool in this one, but I feel like it's kind of forced in the others. Yeah, I mean, because then the second one he does uh, Billy Joel. Town, yeah, that's... which is kind of a joke on Alan. And again, uh, we're beating up Billy Joel. It's, you're, you're ruining yeah. this joke by talking about it too much. Yeah. I feel like that was like a joke on set, too, and they kept adding shit yeah. in. And yeah, the first reference to Billy Joel is great. But by the fucking third movie, they're wearing Billy Joel matching T-shirts. It's yeah. enough already. Just... It's ridiculous. Stop it! Oh, when the tiger's in the car, there's a moment where the, the, he kicks out the back window. Like the tiger, like donkey kicks. They literally show his foot come out <laughs> like that. I'm like, he would never do that. Like, why would a tiger throw his paw backwards like that? Would they do that? It just seemed crazy to me. I like uh, how we start to see at the end, uh, and it continues throughout the rest of the movies, that Alan's constantly trying to be Phil. Yeah, it's great. Like that, like copying him and like doing anything. He's like, come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. And he's like tapping the thing right. the same way he does and like mimicking him. Really funny. It's really endearing almost when yeah. like he's like, do I look cool like Phil? I almost died, Phil. Come on. I was going to let you go. You're my boy. And you're my man. And so at the end, what's, what's great about this movie is I think it does have a very good screenplay. It does. Nothing gets forgotten. Yep. And I was waiting for and we finally get it at the end on the way back. He's like, oh, it looks like we're leaving with money. I had $80,000 worth of chips in my pocket. And like, awesome. And awesome. I was like, don't you have to trade those in before you leave? Hey, they can Why just... couldn't you have said something before we left? We could have traded them in. That's a movie, I, I, But I know they're in L.A. They're like four hours yeah, away. They yeah. can go back and get it again. But it just seems like, they're like, woo. Well, all right, we'll hold on to that. And I guess we'll gotta go, go back. back and... Yeah. <laughs> but it is a very It's not cool... like they can spend it right I don't then. Know. You I know? think it's like... a cool triumphant moment, though. Like, after all that, like, look what I got here. Right. It might have been better if he had just discovered it instead of been like, uh. Yeah. 
But you had to assume. Well, that what would have been better is if they just remembered that he was on the roof immediately and then just took the money and went well, home. Then there wouldn't be a movie, Scott. Yeah, but what would have been better is if I didn't go to the movies and I sat at home <laughs> and fucking had sex all night and, long. And, and just thought about a movie. Yeah, and instead. pretend that I experienced the movie. What are we doing here? What in the fuck are we doing here? Hell, I don't know. Uh, the de- the device of the photos at the end during the phenomenal uh, yeah it's great it's, phenomenal. it's a great idea they do it pretty much every time and, and it lets us see the other side it's perfect symmetry that it shows the other perspective of it but, and scott i love the fact that todd phillips has that band where they do the, the you know the vulgar versions of the yeah, songs kind of loungier it makes me laugh every time it was great and old it was great and old school because we didn't expect it in old school yeah then it pops back up in his other films and starsky and hutch and then in this one yeah and it's just super funny to me I actually thought that the um, at the end of the second one, when they brought out Mike Tyson, they were bringing that guy back out again. I wish they and had. Like, oh, that would have been funnier. Yeah. Work it, make it, do it. Makes us older, better, faster, stronger. Now, 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 that, that don't kill me. Can only make us stronger. I need you to hurry up now. Because I can't wait much longer. Hangover part two, Scott. Yes. Hangover part two. They made another one. It's really much darker than the first one. It is. And it's still kind of a comedy, but it just feels like, uh Now, recently, we've fallen into the pattern of the third movie getting crazy and taking us to another location. Yeah. Almost a last-ditch attempt at keeping trilogies alive, like uh, like the Bad News Bears or Shaft, where they're going to Africa or going to Japan. Right. But this falls into a different pattern that we've also seen, where the second movie is off the beaten path. What I don't understand, and it's probably just because... it. It was easier because they were going to Thailand no matter what. But why didn't he marry Heather Graham in the second movie? Right? Kinda, I kind of wanted that to happen. Right? She's, you know, she's likable. and Yeah. Here we go. Are we going to fuck? Oh, yes. All that stuff early with Alan is funny in his house. The whole setup where he's <laughs> with, depressed. With fucking Jeffrey Tambor. Not the, Sweetie, it's Papa. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, he's got the huge fucking Glass Houses poster, the Billy Joel album, <laughs> which is our first indication that he's a huge Billy Joel fan right there at the top. But Glass House is actually one of my favorite Billy Joel albums, but it is in no way cool to brag <laughs> that you have an enormous version of the album cover he also has a rick rude poster which is a very random wrestler from the 80s for him to be a fan of rick rude famous for his muscular physique keep the noise down while i take my robe off and show the ladies what a real sexy man looks like uh i like the ihop product placement scene that we had to have of they sit down and they're eating at IHOP and he's like, this is the bachelor party. Like, we're not doing anything. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We're just doing IHOP. And <laughs> what did he say? He's like, like, oh, no, it's OK. It's a bachelor, bachelor party. You can say what I <laughs> want. Drinks on me. Everybody drink up. <laughs> oh, wait, we're at a fucking IHOP. I don't want to get into this debate again. OK. I enjoy IHOP. I'll have a cup of coffee. You will have pancakes and you'll like it. The uh, Down Easter Alexa, of course. A great choice. Such a strange, strange song to play as we look yeah. at Thailand for the I first time. I love that song, actually. So do so, I. Yeah. But it definitely evokes thoughts of Long Island fishermen. <laughs> yeah, Not yeah. so much yeah. Um, Thai nightlife. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> it's them flying to Thailand. You're like, uh, uh. while while specific parts of Long Island are mentioned in the yeah. song. Rock Street. Island, what? I, <laughs> what vineyard? The Bell in Gardner's <laughs> Bay. I I don't even know where that is. Charting a course for the vineyard. You know, Which now, vineyard? You know, the more you say it, Billy Joel does get a little gratuitous in his mention of specific <laughs> locations in that song. Yeah. Okay, we get it. Like <laughs> Nantucket bound. We. G- what do you want? You're going to give us your entire fucking And next route? up on the East Coast yeah. is this one. <laughs> <laughs> the sequel is, Then I took the boat up to Massachusetts. <laughs> heading up to Canada. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. There's no stripers here. <laughs> Get You know what? Go to trade school. Get another job. Stop fishing. You don't need to do that, Billy Joel. You've written a million great <laughs> songs. You have so much money. Is, why are you... Why is Billy Joel... Why are people counting on you to catch all these fish? <laughs> Always concerned about the blue-collar man, fisherman in Allentown, the steel man. Yeah. Worry about yourself, Billy Joel. <laughs> Worry about your own problems. Yeah, Thought that's you. probably at every party Billy Joel goes to. It's like his friend who's like, a you know, works at a car dealership. Be like, <laughs> you know what you should do? You should write a song about people who work at car dealerships, <laughs> you know, something like, and the tires are spinning, but they're not spinning today because no one's buying cars. And he's just like, yeah, like, that's a really good idea. Thanks. I'll think about that. I think that's why he retired from writing songs. <laughs> he was just like, you know what? I'm fucking done. I can't do it anymore. And meanwhile, Springsteen just, he's doing the opposite thing. He's like, that's a great idea. I will write a song about that. My grandfather was a sailor. He blew in off the water. My father was a farmer. And I his only daughter. Oh, by the way, in that scene where um, we see the, the, we meet the tattoo artist who does his face, that is famed director Nick Cassavetes. I knew he had to be somebody, right? Like, anytime they have a small part like that, you're like, you have to be someone somebody It was knows. supposed yeah. to be Mel Gibson. Ah. And at the time, Gibson was still too toxic, and the cast didn't want him. That's what I, I remember at the time. Was Zach like, Galifianakis specifically, too, was like, I will not be in the movie if he's right, in the movie. Right. Who wants to eat? Who the fuck wants to eat? Go have something to eat! Hooray! But Mike Tyson, the, the rapist, it's fine. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. Uh, also, along the lines of, I believe you were saying that the old man in this one is like the baby of the first one. Yeah. You also have the monkey instead of the tiger. Yeah, exactly. Basically the same thing. It's slick. Although then they end up sort of switching places because then they return the old man. Right. Get some sort of piece of information. Uh-huh. And then the, the baby is, he's, is the, the monkey is the one he ends up having a relationship with, like, the baby. Oh, yeah. So it's I almost like the way they're introduced is switched, right. and then they flip. Again, he's taking things that worked in the first movie. And he's kind of, like, flipping them. Yeah. He's trying to... It's like... Hey, Phil, check it out. He's got a banana on his helmet. These guys are the real deal. When we're in the ladyboy parlor, which yes. is, is, a, is a common cultural thing in, in Thailand, actually. I know it starts getting a little weird in there, and it really starts to focus on Helms. I think in a way that's uh, yeah, you're giving the movie away to him too much. I mean, I I really don't. It's come to the point where like that kind of bit is sort of like passe in comedy. You know what I mean? Of like, oh no, he accidentally had sex with a guy. It's like 
Well, I mean, they take it very far in this movie because it's The Hangover. So right. in the pictures at the end, we see him getting fucked in the ass. And, right. All right. It's outrageous. Yeah. And his reaction is funny. I mean, he's- Which is he's, always just trying to recapture the first movie, the first photo. The funniest photo is him getting the blowjob from that old lady in the elevator. Fucking Zach Galifianakis. And that's hilarious because it's unexpected. It's it's crude, but still funny because it's like an By old the way, lady that's blowing a, him. Uh, that's a, uh, a prosthetic penis. Of course. It yeah. is. And he, I assume she wasn't sucking on his dick. Well, he interviewed, shit. he was interviewed and he was like, that's, he was like, you'd think I wouldn't be embarrassed. He's like, but I was totally mortified by that shot. I begged Todd Phillips not to leave it in, but he did. Yeah. This and that. Wow. Yeah. But it's uh, funny. Oh, it's funny. All right. <laughs> it's funny because he's fat. And you know, this is where the plot starts to kick in with all this bullshit with the cops and. No, the convoluted shit that now it's all around uh, Chow and how. They have to do this shit that has nothing to do with them and has nothing to really do with what they did the night before. It right. more has to do with Chow, where it's like, that's not really what the first movie was. You know what I mean? It doesn't have the same sort of detective quality the first movie has of like, we're solving a mystery. We're figuring it's sort of a who done it, but it's but the who is them, especially since I don't really uh, I don't really like Chow very much anyway in the movie. For yeah. whatever reason, he doesn't appeal to me. I, I find him funny, but I find you, you get doses, too, by the third one, you're getting way too much of yeah. him, and it's just it's in too doses. Much. He's funny in small doses. Yeah. That's why he was so funny in the first movie because yeah. he's only in a, a few minutes of the movie. So long, gay boys. A uh, couple of things uh, again into the fact that they like switching things up here. They do like the check your pockets thing. They check the roof. They do that shit, and it's like very clearly like, all right, the stuff that worked last time is not going to work this time. I like it though. But also in in the uh, the vein of monkey is tiger and old man is baby, um, they do the <laughs> the baby. It's reminiscent of the baby jacking off. They have he puts the bottle of water under the old man's thing and then the monkey starts biting on it like it's yeah. his dick but like it's funny because they're laughing in the scene i'm like but it's not funny because you're trying to recreate the jacking right. off baby that i'm sure was improv right and now it's like oh we gotta have a moment like that so let's make something up when a monkey nibbles on a penis it's funny in any language there's a karate kid reference no there isn't yes there is He's when he's describing the thing to the old uh, monk. Yeah, right. There is a Karate Kid reference, but it's, it's a Karate. Uh, it's the reference to the remake. That's right. That's right. He says Jaden Smith kid with Jaden Smith because in the remake, it's, it's him graceful. leaving America and going to uh, uh, Japan or whatever. That's China. The, you know, that's vile. You know, you're really sick, man. When the guys come and take the monkey, and uh, they put the helmet monkeys. on. I hate monkeys. Yeah, we heard that. Can I say something now? Sorry. Jesus. Sorry. We get it. You don't like monkeys. I'm sorry. I love monkeys. So anyway, so when they come to get the monkey, they put the little helmet on, and the little helmet has a little banana on it. <laughs> it's very funny. They got a banana on the helmet. These guys are the real deal. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I, I agree. I also like the thing of that when he finally reveals that he did drug them accidentally, and he put it into the marshmallows, and he's like, yeah, I made it so you you would have to eat four before it was a deadly dose. like... <laughs> He's like, no one eats more than three marshmallows. And I was thinking about it. We actually, uh, for our Cobra Kai episode, we had some s'mores here at Eight Mar. I would have been dead. Yeah. I would have totally been dead. Yeah. Because I would have definitely eaten like five or six marshmallows. Definitely. I mean, you were doing dual marshmallows on each s'more. Yeah. We had multiple s'mores. Yeah, putting them away. I mean, but I also like he says to him, like, he's like, but you were you were smiling at me. What did he do? He's like, because I like marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> not because I was okay with you drugging yeah. me. You're not my friend. Don't say that, Bill. Are you serious? Even in America? Yes. Oh God! Don't say that, Bill. Oh, another thing about Giamatti, which I thought this was odd. Giamatti, when he 
when they're first leaving and they think he's the crime boss or whatever, he's like, leave the hat. And he takes his hat. And then we find out later that he's not a crime boss and that it was they were just doing a police sting. And he never gets his hat back. Why did he take his hat to begin with? The other guy is wearing his hat. I know. (laughs) He's still wearing it, too, afterwards. It's strange. And then later, he just has another hat. Oh, this is the worst looking hat I ever saw. Well, you buy a hat like this, I bet you get a free bowl of soup, huh? Oh, it looks good on you, though. The movie at this point is really fucking nutty. We get a wedding at the end. Fine. True to form. (laughs) But his speech sucks. It's not nearly as good as his awesome speech to the shitty girlfriend. Right. And then weirdly, that that speech, it like earns the respect of the the stern Asian father. Yeah. And it's, who, it's mainly just a go fuck yourself speech, yeah, basically. Who, like, who then forgives him for causing his favorite son to lose a finger. He'll never play cello again. He'll yeah. never be a surgeon. See, the son doesn't even care he lost it. No one cares he's lost the finger. I know. That, that's kind of absurd to me. He should have still had it. You know, like, at least to be like, oh, I have the finger. We can still, you know. No. No, it's acceptable to that stern father. It's just a lot of because bullshit the, at the The whole end. point of the first movie is to have no one find out what happened, right? It's to them to clean it up real quick and get back in time right. and just pretend everything went fine and never talk about it again. Because well, I mean, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But here... They get to the end, they crash onto the fucking shore, and then he flat out admits all this stuff happened and that it was his fault, and everyone's just kind of fine with it. You know, I will mention, though, this is the third trilogy we've done, which involves that Asian tradition of a lighting a lamp and putting it on the water. Karate Kid Part 2, Thor, right. the death of Thor's like, mother. I've seen this before. And now this one, we've got the lamp on the water, the third trilogy. That's what I have on The Hangover Part 2. That's, that's all I got. Scott, are you ready to rock into the Hangover Part 3? Wrap up this bad boy? Yep, let's do it. Can we get much higher? So high. I really like how it began with that uh, tribute to the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yeah. Much as I don't like Chow's bullshit, I, you know, that's, that's an a iconic shot. But also sort of right away, you're like, okay, so this is not going to be like the other two movies. Yeah. This is not going to be the same formula. This right. is something different. No question. But just like the other two movies, I still liked the the preface, you know, where we see all of them before the adventure begins. When he's listening to my life with the headphones as poor Jeffrey Tambor is having a heart attack behind oh him. God, so yeah. we just, to the music, see their gesticulations <laughs> behind him. Yeah. It's great. It's great. It's a great bit. All that stuff. The funeral, too. Yeah. I can't believe my daddy is dead. I can think of so many people I would rather have died first, like my mother. Now, this is where the plot kicks in. And just like the second movie, it starts to sort of spiral in a way where you're like, what's... Uh, and John Goodman is here. And hey, God, I, I, love, I John love John Goodman. And I don't think he's bad in the movie. Not bad. He's doing what the movie I think he was a little bit better him. than Giamatti. You know, Goodman's kind of walking around through this whole film here and there doing stuff. So, yeah, yeah you know. I love John Goodman's reading uh, his emails. <laughs> this is the one, the McRib is back. Why was it ever gone? <laughs> like, it's a reasonable question. That McRib is delicious. What is it, though? What is McDonald's McRib sandwich? It's saucy. What it is. Sassy. What it is. Smothered. Spicy. It's full of flavor. Mmm. Yeah. Ah. It's really something. Yo, it's yeah. 
once they break into the house, that whole bit where they're lining up the alarms and he's colorblind and he yeah. I think it's when they're crawling in. Oh, when they're crawling in through the dog door in that scene, too. <laughs> I think he accidentally, like, kicks him. Yeah. And he's like, don't kick me, kick you me. motherfucker. That's great. Like, <laughs> I didn't write it down, but I, I totally yeah. like that part, too. That's yeah. good. Yeah, that yeah, That's yeah. funny. I got to tell you, I don't think there's any reason to bring Heather Graham back in this movie. Just so we could uh, have this part where no. he's reliving his relationship with the kid and the kid's grown now. This ugly child that they... Brought in. I imagine that that is the kid, right? May or may not be. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Know. I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like him. I just don't care about any of that bullshit. How about that scene with the roosters with all the cockfighting and all the roosters going crazy and they're throwing him out the window and he's smothering the one rooster? It's pretty crazy. What the fuck is wrong with those chickens? They're angry. All I feed them is cocaine and chicken. What'd you think of the Melissa McCarthy thing? I I thought it was fine. Her flirtatious thing with Galifianakis. Would you have preferred a third movie that the plot was just that Alan's character had met her and was getting married and they went to Tijuana for his bachelor party? Mm, okay. I mean, even at the end of the movie, you know, they have the same thing that it's like, oh, it's like another one. I'm like, why didn't we just see that? I would have preferred to just see that. And even if Melissa McCarthy was there with them, I was like, that would have been funny. Agreed. Like, she's funny. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so. And even in my head, I was thinking, wouldn't it be funny, though, if the plot of the movie was that he was getting married and had met this girl, they all come out, and, and the, the twist is that he there is no marriage. He's no wedding. He hired all of them. And it's just so he could get them all out and do this one more fucking time. <laughs> like pretty good. Because I feel like that that was always the thing of the, the other two movies is like, it's because he drugged them. It's right. because he wants to be friends with mm -hmm. them. So if you're going to make the movie about him. And this is him, the only way that he knows to. Right. Because everyone yeah. else is married now. Mm -hmm. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. I have one quick, another thing that we're goes back to the first movie good when they break into uh i guess it's john goodman's house as we find out yeah uh there is a tiger skin rug oh in I the room they're going to when they first enter yeah it's done on purpose oh yeah you gotta imagine it's a callback to the tiger yeah okay so after all that after all that plot we don't need we find ourselves back in vegas back to where it all began which I like the symmetry to that i respect it i like when bradley cooper says it all ends tonight yeah, kind of. Oh, I have a little note about that because he—that's in response to Ed Helms saying, "Like I told myself, I'd never come back." Like, motherfucker! At the end of the first movie, you were like, "What if I come back next weekend and take you out to dinner?" And now he's like, "I told myself I'd never come back." No, you didn't. You were gonna come back immediately and go date fucking Heather Graham. Like it's it's just there for dramatic effect. Those lines. I know like, it's like you know what I think you're thinking of Bangkok where you were fucking sodomized. Right. You're like that's that, where I you're never, never going, going back. back. That's yeah. That's the taboo thing. You right. lost a tooth in Vegas. Yeah. I got fucked in the ass by a girl with a dick. <laughs> I remember that. So we get another showdown in the desert with the cars. That whole thing. Yes. So again, they're kind of mimicking what happened in the first film. I was glad to at least see Chow win in the end, I think. I mean, I guess so. And then, but I did like the end of him being like, I can't hang out with you anymore. I wrote movie becomes strangely sad and serious. I guess he says that in the first movie, though. Yeah. And he's like, I can't be within 200 feet of the school or something like that. Yeah, I'm like, so this character is like a mentally <laughs> ill sex offender, and yeah. yet we like him a lot. Like... Yeah. 
Isn't it funny how life works out? <laughs> you know? You know? You just described Michael Jackson. Oh. Yeah, I went there, Scott. <laughs> we have the wedding at the end. We're finally, and it, it ends again on a wedding. Right. Um, but we, we don't actually see the wedding. We don't, which is fine. Which means to me, almost McCarthy wasn't available to film that part. Probably. And they were like, why throw extra money at decorating a whole wedding and getting all these extras here when we could just... But I'm glad they did that because I wasn't loving the movie ending on like Alan just walking into her pawn shop and they're doing their weird thing. Mm. I like that they brought it back to the wedding concept again, that every movie ends on the wedding. Yeah. And we get the, the slow walk again. And right. it becomes a montage of the of slow walk the slow for walk. all three. I liked it. No, I, I mean, it, this they, they again, because it's Todd Phillips all the way through and it's them all the way through. I, it does have a, a real finality to it. Like it has a feeling of accepting that it is a trilogy and will go no further. Yeah. And I always appreciate that in a trilogy of knowing its limits of saying, you know, this idea has run its course. We can't make any more of these. We have to stop. Yeah. Even by putting that final cap at the end where we get the wake up that we didn't get right. for this one. Right. And they all have something wrong with them. Ed Helms has tits. Yeah. But awesome. I mean, that to me is like clearly a thing of, you know, this is it. Like we're not doing like yeah. this. Is, but these, of course, their adventures continue, but we're not going to see any more a, of them. Sort great of great way to put it. Exactly. Yeah. So we can only hope that it really ends here. He wears a red bandana, plays a blues piano in a hockey top down in Mexico. He wears a purple sash and a black mustache in a hockey top. Down in Mexico. Scott, have you heard from Phil? Uh, have you checked your phone recently? Because uh, no, he, again, I he was supposed to join us for this whole podcast. We're doing it, and I don't. Uh, uh, okay. Um, you know, he did send me something. Okay, what is it? Um, he emailed me. It looks like there's an attachment here. <sighs> what the fuck? Five thirty. Oh shit! I missed the goddamn recording. What happened last night? What is this? Golden toilet seat. I don't remember a goddamn thing. What the hell was that? Sound like it came from the bathroom? Oh, God! Oh, oh, all right, all right, hey, 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 oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, there's a white owl sitting on my shoulder. I gotta get the sh- What the fuck? What is this? Looks like I got some horrible spray tan. There, goddamn Oompa Loompa who got accepted into Hogwarts. Wait, that's it. This owl must have something to do with that Harry Potter play on Broadway. Okay, now I'm walking through Times Square, heading over to the theater. Getting a lot of weird looks. Hey, that's my owl, dickhead. You stole it from me yesterday while I was out here promoting the show. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, sorry about that. Archimedes, attack! Oh, ah, oh, oh, come on, me! Oh, come on, just, just, fuck! Oh, I dropped my phone. I dropped my phone. Christ! Hey, owl man, I remember you. You do? Yes, you came to my cart last night. And you shared three orders of shawarma with an owl for 45 minutes. Oh, uh, yeah? And then it projectile shit all over the place. I'm so sorry. Uh, did I mention where I was going next? You asked me if I knew a good club in the area. Oh, God. I am at the club now. I'm walking in. Wow. These women are real tall and, uh... Oh, they're drag queens. Goddamn, son of a bitch sent me to a fucking drag club. Well, hey there, hot stuff. You have fun last night? You remember me. I should. You, me, and the owl spent almost the whole night together. Oh, God. We had sex with the owl, didn't we? No. What is wrong with you? I fed your owl raisin. That's why you mostly talked about professional wrestling. You kept saying you've always wanted to be a really hateable wrestling villain. Spray tan. The gold toilet seat. 
an unlovable asshole. Oh my god, I know where I went. There he is. Grab him. Hey, what the hell? Hey, I don't know where I am. There's something over my face. You're having a hard time tonight. I knew it. Donald Trump. Last night, you broke into Trump Tower, stole his golden tweet seat, and left the apartment covered in owl shit. That's a problem to me. Look, I'm sorry. I don't remember any of that. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh, I don't remember. Get him out of here. Look, 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 look. The toilet seat is back at my apartment. That's where it is, okay? I don't care. I don't care. Hey, hey, wait, 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 where are you going? Put me down. Do it. Whoa! He's a pussy. Now that we've taken care of that, what are we gonna do about these protesters, boss? I'm gonna bomb the shit out of them. Wow. I guess that's a legitimate excuse. I mean, I, I mean uh, tomorrow you should probably get him flowers because I don't want to. I don't want to either. It, it's your turn. When have you ever bought him flowers? Scott, we have come to the conclusion of the Hangover Trilogy. Should I give order? Give me order. One, two, three. One, two, three. And is it successful or not? I suppose it is. They're, um, you know, I enjoyed watching. I like those the three guys. Okay. I like the gang of the gangs all here. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see them back. Was I pleased with the third movie as much as the other ones? No, but I think it was pretty successful. Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same place as you are. I think it would be easy for me to pull a, a classic Vin and be like, oh, the second or third one isn't good enough for it to be a successful trilogy. Right. Are there, do they, did the second and third ones kind of get a little shittier yeah. as they go? Yeah, they do. And I'm not sure that I'd necessarily go back and watch the third one again. Yeah. But I, I did like how they capped it, how it's a legit trilogy, right. and how enough of the second and third movies made me laugh. The humor is a little less sharp in the sequels, but it's still there. Agreed. It's still funny. But in our movie world, so often devoid originality. And the kind of jokes that, you know, are fearless. Yeah. Fucking they went for it. And I can't blame them for that. So, yeah, I'm also going one, two, three. Wow. And a successful trilogy. We agree. Hey. Successful trilogy. We did it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the Trilogy Podcast. We really appreciate your patronage. And your personage. <laughs> I do the Instagram and it is a great compliment to the podcast. I really try and... Base it upon what we've talked about and Scott. And I do the Twitter and I do a bunch of, uh, you know, polls about the current movie that we're talking about, the current trilogy we're talking about in the uh, new episode we have out. Um, so, yeah, it's fun to get in, get involved there. And uh, yeah, folks, we want to engage with you. We can be found on every possible platform, whether it be a Spotify or whether it be an iTunes. So tell your friends. Yes. Tell your wolf pack. Wow. Yes. Tell your wolf pack. How? Wolf, wolf, wolf. So you're not going to howl with me. Instead, you're going to reference should we do? Teen Wolf. I, well, yeah, I like Teen Wolf. but I do, too. Wanna... I like Teen Wolf, too. Oh! No, go back to Teen Wolf. Oh, okay. Wolf, wolf, wolf. Right. Wolf, wolf. <laughs> with my
my swagger, hop in there with yo, I got places to go. People to see time is precious, I look at my Cartier out of control. Just like my mind where I'm going, no women, no shorties, no nothing, my clothes. No stopping at my Pirelli's on, unlike my theory that's always on. I know the storm is coming, my pockets keep telling me it's gonna shower. Call up my homies, it's on.